It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Hi folks, welcome to Quantum number 279. A Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but open to all. And uh, as regular listeners of this podcast will know, we like our music and I'm doing a, a feature at the moment album of the week and I feel my credibility will disappear altogether when I tell you the album I've been listening to but I hope to persuade you that it's worth it. I've been listening to an album called 12 Gold Bars by Status Quo. Now anyone who's really into music kind of despises status quo the the argument is that they just use three chords and it's very repetitive and so on but actually i find it yeah meaningless but i find it joyful foot tapping head banging nonsense great cycling or driving music and uh, i've been listening to it uh, qu- quite a lot this week and i challenge you to hear any so i, I want to begin with um, this song rain And I do that because as I was uh, thinking about this week's, I was, I'm in a country which is supposed to be going through the longest, driest, hottest summer ever, according to our forecast. And at the moment, it's certainly been very uh, wet. We're just at the beginning of summer, so it may get very dry and hot yet. But um, I was in Canberra and we had, I think, 79 millimetres of rain in one day and it was just pouring down. Uh, it's great in many parts of Australia just now to have that, but uh, let's just come back to this old subject of climate change since COP, is it COP28 or meeting? Just a few things that may intrigue you. And these are kind of like bullet points. Um, President Joe Biden is all for having measures to deal with climate change. And you know how people said that President Trump was polluting the whole earth, etc., etc., by pumping out oil. Biden, under Biden, the United States is pumping out more oil per day than at any point in history. It's producing 13.2 million barrels of crude oil per day, beating the previous record set under Donald Trump. Strange how you don't hear much of that in the media. Here in Australia... There's been a two-day blockade of the world's largest coal port. In other words, where I live. Um, blockade's kind of a strong term. Several hundred protesters. They say 3,000 from all over Australia. Uh, 
claim that they prevented over half a million tons of coal from leaving the country. Now, to give you some idea where I'm sitting right now in my home, every day, every night, I hear trains going past with coal for the coal port. Trains with 80 trucks on it, 80 carriages on them. This blockade indicates the fantasy and the lack of thinking and reality amongst some of the climate change activists. No, it didn't block half a million tons of coal from leaving the country. They just left the next day. Secondly, even if they managed to close the coal port down, it wouldn't do one single thing for climate change. Why? Because the coal that's going to China and India would just be mined in Mongolia and Indonesia. And actually, that coal is worse for the environment. So, it's meaningless. It really is meaningless. And thirdly, what would happen in Australia is, Australia depends on coal. A hundred billion dollars per year is spent, is, is, is raised, sorry, by the Australian government from the exports of coal. That's what funds Medicare. That's what funds this wonderful lifestyle that so many people enjoy. As I say, they don't think. But climate activists are encouraged by, I think, the establishment in many ways. So this is an astonishing story from the Times. A jury cleared nine climate activists of causing 500 well, half a million pounds worth of criminal damage to HSBC London's headquarters after they argued they had a lawful excuse for the action. A lawful excuse. That's just incredible. They, I mean, they caused half a million pounds worth of damages. They didn't deny that they had done it, but they said they had the consent of others to damage the property in question. Well, they certainly didn't have consent from HSBC. And having the consent of others to damage property, if I decide to go and, let's say, uh, you know, I, I don't particularly like uh, the SNP, the Scottish Government's policies, do I have the right to go and damage the Scottish Parliament? Of course not. If, I, if I'm not a royalist, do I have the right to go and blow up Buckingham Palace? Of course not. It's just part now of the injustice that occurs in society when law is forgotten and replaced with activist politics. The costs of net zero have spiralled out of control. Net zero electricity taxes and levies will cost British consumers almost £100 billion over the next six years, according to the Office for Budget Responsibility. That includes environmental levies, um, encouraging suppliers to produce uneconomic energy, to persuading consumers to install inferior technologies. Extraordinary. The government is now prepared to pay over £100 per megawatt hour for wind farms, a price more than the current estimated cost of gas-powered electricity. And then, of course, in an example of virtue signalling par excellence, the Scottish Government First Minister, Humza Yousaf, has jetted off to the Middle Eastern Conference. He should have saved the environment by not going, uh, claiming that Scotland is a world leader and this shows that Scotland is serious and everything else. And it's complete fantasy politics. Nobody's listening to tiny Scotland 
We don't make one whit of difference in that. But politicians like to think that they're doing something immense. Okay, let's go back to the quo. Maybe Humza could have saved the environment by going on a paper plane. I want you to listen to this extraordinary clip from um, Ireland. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. That is the Irish Green Party Senator O'Reilly. And did you hear what she said? We are restricting freedom for, for the common good. Now, what she says has a basis in truth. That's what makes it so dangerous. Because, yes, laws are made to restrict our freedoms. As I drive to the airport today, I can't drive at 200 kilometres an hour, even if I had a car capable of it. It would be dangerous and wrong. So my freedom to do that is restricted. I don't have freedom on this podcast to incite hatred against people, and I don't think I should. Of course, um does depend how you apply the law, doesn't it? If I wanted to incite hatred against Israel, that would be okay. But uh, all law, it's true, is about the restriction of freedom. But it's this idea of the common good and how she applies it. If your views on other people's identities cause them to feel unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, it's our job to restrict freedoms. Now, do you see how subjective that is? And also how partial it is and how prejudiced it is. So somebody says, David, I don't like your views on marriage. I feel they make me feel unsafe and insecure. Does that mean my views should be banned? 
I find Senator O'Reilly's views terrible. They, they make me feel unsafe and insecure. Is she arguing her views should be banned? Not at all. This is an authoritarian idea, and I, I, I've say it so many times in this podcast, and we need to grasp how our freedoms being restricted in this way enable authoritarianism. You know, in one sense, I, I think as a Christian, maybe I shouldn't be encouraging this, but sometimes you do have to break the rules. Um, I think those women who damage the HSBC, if they genuinely believe, and I suspect they do, then in a sense they would argue they had to break the rules. Of course, you pay the consequences for breaking the rules. If the rules, if you break the rules and you've got powerful on your side, so it's then okay. That's not the same thing. But here's the quo again. Speaking of Ireland, this is our featured country of the week. A small country, but an important country. A country with an incredible history, both good and bad. Uh, And a country with a a strong Christian history, which has now secularised quicker, I think, than any nation in history. Maybe Scotland and Ireland are competing with each other to head to the bottom. But just some news from Ireland this week. Uh, the Irish Taoiseach, the, the in equivalent of Prime Minister, Leo Varadka, posted a message on Twitter, or X if you, what you want to call it, on the release of the freed hostage Emily Hand. It's utterly astonishing. He said, This is a day of immense joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family. An innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned, and we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. Now, Eli Cohen, Israel's foreign minister, said... Emily Hand is not lost. Maybe you've lost your moral compass and connection to reality. She was kidnapped by a terrorist organisation worse than ISIS after her stepmother was murdered. Emily and over 30 other Israeli children were kidnapped by Hamas and you are trying to legitimise it. Shame on you. Indeed. Indeed. Now something else is going on in Ireland. On the one hand, Ireland is fated as, hey, this is a great country growing economically. On another hand, on the other hand, it's becoming a powder keg. And some of that was demonstrated last Thursday when uh, a knife attack happened outside a school on Parnell Street in Dublin's north inner city. Three children uh, and an adult woman were stabbed by the attacker who's now been confirmed to be an Algerian male. And again, it's disturbing that the press largely didn't report this who acquired Irish citizenship, he has been living in the country for the last 20 years. Now, be very, very, very careful here. Because it's almost, I think it's highly likely that mental illness has as much to do with it as anything else. 
the fact that he's an Algerian, I suspect, is largely irrelevant, but not in terms of what happened afterwards. Dublin's north inner city has long been known as bandit country. I'm reading this from an article in Unheard. It's been abandoned by successive governments. In other words, it's a classic example of what's going on in progressive societies where the poor are just left to rot. Drug dealing is openly performed on the streets. Muggings, assaults and car thefts are now so ubiquitous they don't even make the news anymore. You don't see a policeman on the street. There's a terrible gangland feud at the moment between the Keenahan and Hutch gangs. But the violent response, and there was a violent response, there were riots, burning of police cars, and so on. Now, this was immediately, immediately blamed on the far right, because that's what always happens, it's what governments always do, rather than just simply say it was, it was hooligans, it was, it was horrible, it was dreadful that it was done. And doubtless there were people who are far right who delighted in doing that. But the government, just to, to make it so simplistic... So the police are now investigating the the kickboxer, the fighter, Conor McGregor, who tweeted out uh, something that was basically just... <sighs> Look, what he tweeted out was a comment that a man called Josef Pushka was sentenced for the murder of Ashley Murphy. And in court, her boyfriend read a statement which said Pushka had come to this country to be fully supported in terms of social housing, social welfare and free medical care for over 10 years, but could never hold down a legitimate job and never once contributed to society in any way, shape or form. That comment was not reported on in the mainstream press, but it went viral on social media and Conor McGregor repeated it and now he's being investigated. McGregor has said he doesn't condone the riots, but you see there's this fury building up and then, it's a little wonder. This is the way that, that our progressive societies go. So here are a whole bunch of white people in the Irish Parliament complaining about being white. Just listen to a bit of this. While it's true that the Irish have known uh, a fair share of, of oppression, the reality is, uh, during that oppression, we still maintained our, our invisibility cloak of white privilege. And we often hear about white privilege, and it hadn't really it's really hard to me that I had white privilege as well, but now, listening to you, I understand that I do have a privilege. I think we shouldn't forget that our parliament still looks very male, very stale and pale. I think it's worth putting on the record of, of this House um, that that concept of, of white privilege and, and how that can be uh, normatised in our own lives. And, you know, we, we as, uh, as we develop as a society and a more racially integrated society, I think need to become more and more conscious of that uh, within our own politics and, and the advantage that that has brought. But the corollary being that your whiteness is itself an advantage and to really understand that. I often observe young people... Now, that's astonishing. It reminds me of Humza Yousaf's White, White, White. It's critical race theory. It's absolutely dreadful. Um, our invisibility cloak of white privilege. We're very dull, white, pasty Ireland. Wow, it's so racist in the name of being anti-racist. Some other comments I've been uh, listening to on this. Uh, I, I thought this was a really interesting comment from an economist. The government playbook, as it's been for successive governments, is simple. Tax breaks for big multinationals, bring in people from overseas to fill the positions, and claim you're an industry genius. 
Meanwhile, no homegrown industry, no restructuring of education to fill multinational jobs with homegrown talent from top of the chain to the production floor, no effort to wean Ireland off multinational dollars before the next economic turndown. Remember, it only takes a blip, a hiccup in the US, for Ireland to collapse. In other words, in effect, Ireland has been colonised by the corporations and the progressives. Okay, since this is Ireland, here's a little bit of the Irish anthem. We'll sing a song, a soldier's song, with cheering, rousing chorus. As round our blazing fires we throng the starry heavens o'er us. Impatient for the coming fight, and as we wait the morning's light, here in the silence of the night, we will chant a soldier's song. Soldiers are we, whose lives are pledged to Ireland. It's interesting how militaristic it is. Soldiers are we and going against the tax. Going against the Saxon foe. Hmm. Okay, let's go on to Israel Gaza. Um, this is an astonishing clip from Kay Burley of Sky News. I was speaking to a hostage negotiator this morning. He made the comparison between the 50 hostages, hostages that Hamas has promised um, promised to release, as opposed to the 150 prisoners that are Palestinians that Israel has said that it will release. And he made the comp- comparison between the numbers and the fact that does Israel not think that Palestinian lives are valued as highly as Israeli lives? That is an astonishing accusation. If we could release one prisoner for every one... You see what she's saying? She's saying that because... Israel released 150 Palestinians and Hamas releases 50. This is Israel saying that 50 of their hostages are... I mean, do I need need to even explain? No wonder the Israeli spokesperson was so shocked. It, yeah, it's breathtaking. And then this is breathtaking. This, again, indicates just how far down the rabbit hole the US has gone with its education system. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October seventh, including children, were killed by the IDF. An amendment condemning Hamas is bald propaganda. Imagine that: Israel murdering their own people, calling Hamas a terrorist organization, uh, is racist. This, by the way, occurred in the U.S., um, where a, a council basically we're talking about banning various things. Hamas is like a wife being beaten up um, and stands for it's all old white supremacists. And this is going on all over the world. Here in Australia, the federal Green Senator, Meryn Faraki, has, uh, she was forced to remove an Instagram post which showed her and six students at a rally 
supposedly pro-Palestinian, in reality anti-Israel, saying courageous students will lead the way for justice for Palestine, even when their Labour government won't. And she's standing beside a sign which says, keep the world clean above an Israeli symbol and a rubbish bin. And then Owen Jones. Now, I, w- I was going to play it, but I'm not going to play it, partly because of time. Um, has produced a video. He went to see the IDF, the IDF's film about uh, that. Is, it's a mass footage of the absolute brutality. I certainly don't want to see it. The violence uh, against and the rape and everything else, killing of children. And he came out and, you know, he does the shock thing, but unbelievably, he, whilst in one sense condemning, in another sense he seeks to justify, I, I find it absolutely chilling. Uh, I put a link to an article by Brendan O'Neill on Spiked, which kind of summarizes how my feeling about it. But this, this is how a narcissist works. This is what he says, the response to my video about the screening of the 7th October atrocities, the most unhinged, deranged thing I've seen in my life. He's just watched a video of terrorists killing women and children, raping, abusing, laughing, exulting in it. That's unhinged and deranged, but he thinks the most unhinged, deranged thing he's seen is a response to his comments. Speaking of unhinged and deranged. All right, um, let's come on to the woke world. You know this program. Yes, of course, Doctor Who, and this occurred in the latest edition of Doctor Who. Right, I know her. She's looking after Wilf. Brilliant. Brilliant. Meep, meep. Yes, the meep. I promise I can help him get home and then you'll never see me again. You're assuming he as a pronoun. True. Yes, sorry, good point. Are you he or she or they? My chosen pronoun is the definite article. I am always the meep. Oh, I do that. But you were shot down. Who wants you dead? There we go. You see, Doctor Who is being used to normalise this ideology and to indoctrinate our children. But not just Doctor Who. If you if you like soap operas, uh, the BBC has one called Doctors, and here's a part of one of the latest editions of that. What are you wearing tonight? Well, I've borrowed some things from the drama department, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Take that rubbish off! I don't want it in the house. It's perverted. Granddad. Well, I don't want you mixing with those weirdos either. I should go. I'm one of those weirdos, Granddad. I can wear what I want. And you can't stop me from seeing my friends. Afternoon. Hi there. Ethan? What's up? Have you spoken to Granddad yet? No. He's chucked me out. What happened? He, he gave me an ultimatum. Either I give up my persona or leave. I didn't have a choice. Have you got somewhere to stay? A, a friend. 
a furry friend. A feathery, actually. <laughs> uh, that's someone with a bird persona. And have you been mates long? Your assumptions are showing. He objects to his grandchild dressing up as a teddy bear. Hmm. Well, there's a, there's a lot of prejudice around furries, especially the ones with fursonas. So dressing up as an animal is normal behaviour. That's no different to dressing up as any furries. other character. Now, what is a furry? Uh, when, and I've mentioned this, people say, what are you talking about? Here the BBC are trying to put across that being a furry is normal, it doesn't harm anyone, it's a community of people who share interests. Well, yeah, uh, the Nazis are a community of people who share interests. Not hurting anyone, really. What are furries? Furries are people who have an active interest in animal characters with human characteristics. They take on a fursona, an alternate per persona, who interacts with other fursonas. Um, they try and have personality traits, physical attributes, projected ages. They dress up in costumes. It all, you could argue, it's relatively harmless. They wear them in a public forum, in person or online, and so on. But there are all kinds of problems with this. It, it, first of all, you adopt a subjective age, which means someone older could pretend to be someone much younger. Secondly, there is absolutely a sexual aspect as well. Thirdly, masking and hiding your personal identity may be misused by someone with a harmful sexual interest in children. Unbelievable that uh, the BBC are promoting this. Meanwhile, in the woke world, a judge in London has ruled that a non-binary teen who goes by they-them can get a double mastectomy despite her parents objecting. The court even refused to give her a psychiatric evaluation. And in the NHS, in some hospitals in London, uh, medics are being forced to tick whether patients have a penis or a vagina, and newborn babies are having their gender identity recorded rather than biological sex. It's the erasion of women. And so I go back to the quo and can we go down any further? Okay, um, running out of time, so just a few things. Hypocrisy. Uh, Oxfam have got a charity worker, I presume one of their leaders, who's being paid £340,000 a year, whilst it writes reports complaining about the rich. And then this from the protests, the pro-Palestinian anti-Israel protests in Melbourne. Uh, Ivy, why did you choose to skip class and strike today? Well, how can we go to school and do our work um, when there's a genocide happening in Palestine? We are funding um, Israel's murder towards Palestinians with our own taxpayer dollars, the same taxpayer dollars that are funding our education. How can we, you know, sit back and just let this all happen? 
I mean, as a socialist, I want to fight for every single person who is oppressed by this horrible capitalist system. That young person, just again, so indicative of what's wrong with our culture. As a socialist, I want to fight for every person who's oppressed by this horrible capitalist system. She lives in the capitalist system. She's a product of the capitalist system. She's wealthy because of the capitalist system. If she's opposed to genocide everywhere, why is she not marching against Yemen? Why is she not marching against China and the Uyghurs? And she talks about taxpayers' dollars funding our education. I think it's funding your indoctrination. Okay, let's go back to the quo. Yep, rocking all over the world. Uh, just to highlight some things in the news. In US, in New South Wales, euthanasia is now legal. In America, the 100-year-old Henry Christinger has died. In Ukraine, the war continues um, with the Russians apparently advancing on a small village and uh, Ukrainians facing a split within their own ranks. And in Africa, in Burkina Faso, we don't, let's not forget all these places. Uh, there, the jihadist armed groups have extended their control to around 40% of the national territory. The junta-led government are fighting a war against them. Uh, fatalities and humanitarian needs have hit record highs. Two million people have been displaced. 4.7 million out of 22 million people require assistance. And I just wonder, where are all the protests about this? I pretty well guarantee that none of you heard of it at all. In the church, um, just a bit of follow-up from before, Justin Welby, we played last week, um, celebrating Hinduism. He, I haven't heard a word from him about this. The United Christian Forum has recorded 525 violent attacks on Christians in India by Hindus to the end of August. It's a vast increase. Let me just play you a bit of the latest religious trend. The Quran on TikTok. Okay, so I'm an ex-Christian, reading the Quran. Today, I'm going to go through fighting. Fighting war. It is my first time reading the Quran. I thought I would share my thoughts on the food. So I'm an atheist who recently got a copy of the clear Quran to start reading. I was really... I just started reading the Quran and I am so excited about it. All these people who are so ignorant, they just do not know. They somehow think that they can have all their progressive ideology and now it's progressive to, hey, be into the Quran. The ignorance is breathtaking. Let's come on to seek. We talk about the Quran and furries and climate change activists. Everyone's seeking, aren't they? Well, the question this week 
is, does an aborted child or stillbirth or one who dies young go to heaven? Uh, we read Second Samuel 12, 1 to 25, and we discuss the situation, the pain that's involved and everything in that. And my answer is basically yes. Um, but uh, have a read of it for yourself. Again, I've put a link on and of course you can always get the book. Um, thanks to those of you who've written in. Thanks to those of you who review. Uh, one review this week. I listen to this podcast every week. This is on Apple iTunes. and gives an alternative Christian view on the week's news. It includes music and clips very stimulating uh, and thought-provoking. Thanks, whoever wrote that. And uh, feel free to review. Feel free to support us in donating. You're very welcome uh, to do that. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. That's in the Podbean fundraiser. Go to the website, www.theweeflee.com uh, to get all, links to all the articles and so on. And um, what else? Oh, yeah, thanks to Peter for producing this, of course. He does a wonderful job. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, I'm going to leave you with this song that one of you sent in. Thank you very much. Uh, Behold the Man. Uh, it is utterly beautiful. Um, if you've had enough of status quo, here's something a bit more chilled. Um, enjoy this song. Send in any comments, uh, God, any suggestions. God bless you until next week. And uh, do you know we need to do this, don't we? You know, all this mess, all these people who are seeking different things. We need to behold the man. We need to behold Christ and get a very different perspective on life, which is what I'm seeking to do here. God bless you um, and see you next week. Bye. Oh